out. Music, music, music. Is that your elevator pitch? So, music time. Yeah. Where should we start this week on Tripping Balls, a music podcast where we listen to new music? Well, well it's always like nice for me to apologise first. I like to get, I always like to say sorry for my mistakes. <laughs> Which mistake um, are you going to apologise for? Well, I think there's only one real mistake, um, that which is madness, really. Like, wow. Like, yeah, yeah. The thing about legacy acts coming back to with new albums. I mean, look, and we've always said, look, I'm sure it is hard for musicians to turn the tap off, but surely there's got to be some semblance of their like. If you if you presented this to a Madness fan and said this is a Madness album, you'd go, "Is where? it?" Re- like maybe I get it in his voice occasionally. Like he's got an accent. So is the bloke from Reef. Um, you know, it's and they produced a perfectly good um, legacy album. This, I just, yeah, because it I sounded like it, Reef. Whereas this, yeah. this is like I, a vaudeville fucking sideshow. Yeah, and just, so reading in, reading between the not reading between the lines, doing a bit of research into it during lockdown and after lockdown, they they teamed up with Charlie Higson, who was uh, an actor and comedian who's been around for quite a while. He was he was one of the Fast Show members um, mm-hmm. in the nineties. And they did a kind of a vaudeville show uh, that they uh, there's a stage show and, and eventually recorded it. And this this has strong vibes of that sort of the sad clowns yeah. and that kind of shit. But the reality is, I mean, you think back to Madness. They were a ska band who then embraced pop and R and B and soul and stuff like that, and produced a series of really really good singles. They were more a singles band than anything else. But you know, they, were, they were two tone. They they were. Very much part of that sort of thing. But none of this has that kind of snap, crackle, and pop of, of what they used to do. This feels very tired and very sad and very old. And I feel like that's deliberate. And that's also inavoidable because they are tired and sad and old. Yeah, it was just... And the more I listen to it, it's just like... And it goes forever and ever and ever and ever. Does it not? Uh, it's just like, oh, what? A, what? A, why am I listening to this? Like, I Yeah, can't. that's the thing. What is this for? What is this actually for? Because... I mean, there's there's far too much of this, and none of it is interesting. None of it's listenable, and it's not necessary because I don't, Madness don't struggle to sell out the various arenas that they play to kind of older Gen X and and younger Boomer dads and, and their kids. Uh, so this it's not like they need to release an album in order to get people to come out and see them. So what's it for? And I'm looking at the the bio here. You know, it's sort of after. Disparate years that saw the band at their most polarised and fragment. This is they reunited an industrial unit at the beginning of the year, where they realised what united them was always bigger than what divided them. And this is the most harmonious recording and a brand new album they all agreed on. And this I is the first. This is apparently the first time they've ever done the production themselves. And yeah. I'm very much thinking of, of fucking Muse Syndrome, where you've got nobody in the room to tell you that this is bullshit and you shouldn't be doing it. It's it's just yeah, like you think of all the other stuff that came around it before it and all that sort of stuff I just I just couldn't get my head around why it's in the world yeah like they couldn't they couldn't go out and play this live like if maybe, they, they, if you well, maybe they've got such an, uh, an audience of people who love their shit that they, that people will just turn up to watch them you know three, try to copy their own ass. three million monthly listeners but you know and I look at not pop, to this popular you know our house it must be love one step beyond baggy trousers house of fun yeah that's what I want to hear if I go to a Mel- I'll be, if, I, if I went to a Madness concert and I heard those five songs you know, somewhere around the you know, majority of the set, perfectly happy. If I heard anything off this new album in more, like more than just as, as an interlude between those songs, I'd be really annoyed. 
I'm I just sorry. don't know what it's for. I don't know. I mean, none of these songs would work in the live context because they it's bangerless. No, it's it's ba- it's a vanity project. Yeah, it, but, it, but it just doesn't look. It just it, doesn't look very good. He says on on the greatest vanity project of all time, of all podcasts, tripping balls. Yeah, um, hey. yeah. Hey, I listen. It should have been you know the theory of the sir presents sailor murder. Because that's what it is. It's just <laughs> absolute mad. Yeah, no, it's um. I'm. I apologise. I did say it, it was. A, it was a, a the best of a bad bunch. I must say. TK Maidza. Well, the new face of Australian hip hop. Well, let me let me put it to you this way: If this was, you know, go back to the old days where you're listening to uh, albums at Sanity and you'd put, you know, you'd swing it around on the thing and you push play on that album. And if I got through the first two tracks, or even if I just came across it on Spotify and I came across the first two tracks. I would just go, oh, this is rubbish. I'm not listening to any more of this absolute shit. This sort of wannabe, you know, gangstery kind of hip hop crew kind of beat. Just awful, two awful songs at the start. And then they did another dozen of them. Uh, this album is great if you ever heard the, like the 30 seconds of her that they use for the A-Leagues theme and said, I'd like 40 minutes of that because that's what you get. Well, I, I really like, there's three songs in the middle of it where she kind of leans into the R&B a little bit more. And it actually kind of works, I reckon. I, I reckon Out of Luck is 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 probably one of the better sort of female R&B. Like, let's put it this, I've never heard of any of the people that are guesting on that track. But I guarantee you that if one of them's name was Beyonce and they sang it exactly the same way, it'd be the biggest song in the world. Because it's better than anything that's on Beyonce's album as a, as a sort of... R&B, you know, disco-y banger kind of thing. It's I, I really enjoyed it. I, I couldn't get out of my head for ages. And the next couple of songs followed on. I was kind of thinking, okay, maybe this is where the rest of the album's going. That's sort of three, four tracks in the middle. And then it just went back to Then it went shit. back to trap beats and basic yeah. production and kind of yeah. bored recitals. Yes. And so for apart from three, four songs in the middle that I really, really like, which probably means there's an absolutely ripping EP in the middle of all of this, um, the rest of it was just like, yeah, it just felt like something trying really hard to be something that it's not. Well, it's, it's trying to be. It's odd that the um, Australian hip hop is much more African Australian diaspora kids like Tk Maidza and Genesis Awusu and that generation instead of Bogans from Adelaide and Brisbane like it was yeah. when, yeah, when Bezo right. came up, which is, you know, that's why he hates the current face of Australian hip hop because he's a bogan from Gladstone who, who hates black people. It's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a joke. Folks. Yeah, it, it's just it's just not great. Like it doesn't. It, it, you know, it's, if it's trying to break new ground in that area, it's not. It's just she always sounds bored. The thing is, about, and I know Sims had the same kind of delivery in a lot of case, but if you're just uh, kind of boredly reciting things like you're talking on the phone, you know, you're running in a call center. I don't really. I'm not engaged with it at all. But, and, and the production the is so limited and and, yeah. and generic. It's kind of what am I? What am I supposed to fucking engage with here? And we, I mean, if you go back to the early Sims, though, it, it had a real menace and a real vibrance about it, the darkness of it. I think that's what this track is to that. Whereas, like you said, you know, when I, I'm listening to a song and you know, I woke up and chose violence, I woke up and chose violence. And it's like it doesn't sound very fucking violent to me. Like it sounds like you said. Just plain bored. And it's just a fucking, it's just a bit of internet patois that she's lo- latched yeah. onto. Waking up and choosing violence. Yeah, good on you. Yep. Between that and free throws, which I, I thought we could work back into the, the, the sports set perhaps, yeah, which was just, you know, free throws, free throws, free throws. I was just like, oh, this is rubbish. Yeah. But, I, but I, I was, there's hope in it for me because I really did enjoy, 
like those three to six songs and even felt like they flowed on like there was a, a flow into the album and I really kind of hoped that that's you know she got her first two kind of contractually obliged like you said trap beat songs out of the way and then was going into that kind of and I know we kind of bagged out a lot of albums for saying that there are a bit too much R&B and not enough hip hop in this case I think it's absolutely the other way I think if she had lent more into that R&B kind of style and worked on that because there's some good stuff in those songs then that it would have been a much better album but I couldn't disagree more I thought the R&B stuff was just as generic and boring oh. as uh, as the rest of it but uh, that's why we have opinions on the internet so we can disagree yes that's right but yeah look overall it was just like Ugh. if it was the first two track test I wouldn't have got to track three so I guess the one thing I get out of actually being on the podcast is that I got to hear a couple of songs I went huh that was actually alright I like that I'll go back and have a little listen to that but no more. <laughs> I won't get past those three yeah, songs. Well, you're going to have to listen to it anyway because it'll get played a lot because I'm sure it will do extremely well. Well, no, it's, no, no, it won't get on the radio at all, that sort of stuff. It's just a bit like it won't get on commercial radio. Triple J is still a radio station. Yeah, but I don't listen to it. Like it's, That's because you're 49 like, years old. I know. Well, mostly it's because all the announcers sound just as bored as she is. they play shit like this. Yeah, and they sound just as bored as she is. Like, I'm, it's just like- Well, yeah, I guess this like, generation is just bored and depressed, so this yeah. is just the energy they have. But it's, it's cool to be sort of, um, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, but I don't blame them. Now, now that I think about it, actually, I don't blame them. The world's completely fucked. So I don't blame them for being bored and disinterested and going constantly depressed. Yeah. Could do something about it, I guess, but apparently what? they just keep voting liberals in. I don't know. Stop I don't, I don't think they voted liberal, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the fucking, it's our generation and older that voted for the various terrible governments that are uh, mostly. No, aren't all your governments technically red at the moment? Yeah. They, they, perform yes, like, they, they perform like liberal yes. governments, but they, they technically, yeah. they're, they're, they're yes, red. They, they, won't, they won't be for long. The normal service will be resumed fairly shortly, I would say. Yeah, so. it would, would appear so. Bully. You go, because I'm interested in what you think about this album. So, um, this is the best indie rock album of 1993. <laughs> um, now, it does, by reputation, that she was getting compared to the Breeders and, you know, various other... And you do, there's elements of that, but there's also elements of other kind of mid-90s solo indie women, maybe a bit of Sheryl Crow, but also, you know, remember how back in the mid-90s there'd be like these... Um, there'd be like a, a female solo artist would pop up and have one massive single and then disappear entirely. Yeah. Like the woman who did Bitch and the woman who did Mother, Mother. Yeah. Um, and those are a bit more gravelly and hard-edged, but this. But this is, there's a big, I got a big nostalgia buzz from this um, for some of the tracks, particularly um, Days Move Slow and Hard to Love and Lose You. And I, re- I really liked it, the first couple of plays. But And to be fair, you know, that sort of post-grunge indie girl, girl rock is, is my area. You know, I've always been a big mm. uh, self fan. But as, um, as I played it, you know, the diminishing returns came through and it was more that partly the nostalgia buzz kind of faded, but also because I got increasingly bummed out about the fact that, that all of the songs, and I mean literally almost all of the songs are about her dog dying <laughs> and she is going through it. She is really going through it. And, and you know, I, I, I do relate, even though that's absolute hashtag white people problems, but I just ended up feeling like, you know, just really bummed out for it. Um, so that, that was kind of where I got to on um, Bully's album. Lucky for you, your dog's not dead. I kind of felt about this is that I, I kind of want, you know, her, she has an interesting sort of voice that kind of, like you talk about all those, those albums like The Breeders and we talk about Veruca Salt and all that sort of stuff. They were sort of... Better singers. Well, and they didn't, they, but they weren't afraid and, to... And they had a better high rev range. I mean, when, when she tries to push yeah. 
you know, high-end stuff. She can't really push enough air to get that. And, it, and it's hidden behind all these speaker simulation, you know, that crackly sort of, like, it's it's, it's kind of like every time she went Which to- is also a very 90s thing. You know, that's... Yeah, well, I just felt like it was kind of basically saying to me that she didn't really... Yeah, she wanted to be angry about something, but she just didn't have the ball. You know, the, the balls is the wrong thing, but she didn't have the sort of wherewithal to be as angry as it needed to be. So she sort of hid behind the sound. I don't think she has the voice yeah, for that's it. Yeah, I mean, she just she doesn't have the sound to do so it. So the interesting thing I found out about Bully, whose whose real name is um, oh what the fuck is it, Alicia Bognano, who's oh. from um, Minnesota originally, but I think she's now based in Nashville. But she didn't start as a musician. She started as an audio engineer. She did an internship at Steve Albini's right. uh, recording complex. So that's how she started out as an audio engineer who also did a bit of writing on the side. Uh, and then she formed her own band and all this sort of stuff. So it's only been relatively recently that she stopped being the producer on all her stuff. Yeah, and, and just started singing yeah, as a side. And just started singing I, and writing. I just thought, you know, when I heard her voice, I thought, that's it was a bit nice. I thought, that's nice, but the song's a bit nice, a bit kind of... Insipid. I like the intent behind the ones where she's a bit screamier, but yeah. I still felt like she was hiding behind something. So I didn't feel like I get the full effect. That being said, I think I, I like I like the idea of it, and I would like this a whole lot more had I not listened to the No Bro album that you guys reviewed. It's a very different sort of album, but it's kind of like, you know. But there's the, the, their sound is unashamedly like it, they're not pretending to be really great singers, even though it comes out as sounding really, really great. They just put it all out there and it's it's like I really like I said, I really enjoyed that. Like I, I sort of left your review of it going, wow, that was a pretty good review. I'm gonna go and have a listen to these guys and got to the end of that album and went, Well damn, that was that was cool. Like yeah. that was really good. I'll be I'll be very amazed if that doesn't hit one of your top of one of your lists. Oh look I am um, so I, I did the thing, you know, where you, you do your Spotify wrapped and you get frustrated with how mm-hmm. bad the, the algorithms are and how ill-representative. And then everyone sort of reminds you, hey, uh, Spotify don't pay their artists anything at all. If You, you really should yes. go and actually spend some money on them if you really like them. And it was mm. a Bandcamp Friday just this this weekend. So I, mm-hmm. I dropped a lot of money on – well, well, not a lot of money really because if, yes. so if you're buying albums on Bandcamp, it's like 10 bucks or 15 bucks oh, right. or something. And on Bandcamp Friday, 93% of the of the proceeds go directly to the artist. It's not oh, on a regular day. It's like eighty percent. So yeah, it's much better than paying eighteen bucks for an album and most of it going to Apple or to whoever you're buying it from. Um, and yeah. one of the albums I bought was the was the No Bro album because it was like that's probably what about might have been as many as ten albums from this year. Um, yeah, and that was one of them. So that tends to suggest that it's probably a top ten album of the year. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I, I'd be very surprised if it doesn't end up as a number yeah. one. But but it's a different sort of album because, it, I mean, punk rock gives you the license to be ragged around the edges and just go, you know, just, just fucking go full send, lick the stamp and absolutely send it, whereas um, Bully is operating in a much more oh, delicate nuance, space yes, where you can't yes. quite. And, and she is playing using a lot of production because that's what she does. I mean, she started out yeah. as an audio engineer and also making making beats and loops for people. Yeah, I just I just didn't feel like it was it was there. Like there was, it was kind of hiding. Yeah, maybe like I said, hiding behind the tricks. And I didn't want to hear the tricks. I just wanted to hear her, and I kind of wanted to hear what that would sound like if her vocal was out the front of it all, unprocessed. Just listening to her be a bit raw, and because I think that would have suited the music a bit better. But in the end, I just sort of felt like it was all a bit standoffish. Like it wasn't. Yeah. I didn't. And you know, so it wasn't bad. And it was. I liked the intent of it, but. Especially having listened to that No Bro album, which was just straight unadulterated awesome. 
couldn't do it. I couldn't get into yeah. it. No, I, I, I really did like it, but I didn't love it, if that makes yeah. sense. And I, I'm aware enough of myself to accept that quite a lot of my affection for the album is probably because it makes me, it conjures up feelings of similar types of artists from 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I'm not even sure she was alive when yeah. Last Splash was released. Or um, Eight Arms to Hold You, probably she was around because that was like 20, 26 years ago. Yeah, and you look at this, uh, like, there's lots of reviews and all that, say all sorts of review things. Like, it's it's oh, very you know, positive. It's- I mean, it, it, that's just why this came up was that like, it kept getting positive. Um, yeah. Positive raps for um, indie rock, and I thought, is this and indie in a rock? world of yeah, and in the world of Taylor Swift's and Beyonce's, I don't mind if there's a few shouty women out there because not everything has to be polished. Are you saying Taylor's not shouty enough? She's got plenty. She's of definitely not. She's she's just a talk singer. That's why I hate her. I keep saying to my daughter when we listen to the the twenty seventh album, I said, I want you to listen to the actual melody being sung here and realize it's just like. Da 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 no, no, but you know what I mean. Like, I think that she can develop that to a real to a point where it's like, well, this is going to be a really good, you know, because the the, the the jump from the first album to the second album is, is you know, it, it's a it's a good trend. So uh, yeah, as long as she doesn't get sort of captured by the, she's sounding more and more like a two thousand and two pop punk band. Because <laughs> yet again, I'm quite aware that what I'm hearing is is nostalgia, and that's why I oh, liked yeah. it. Uh, it's, the kids are bringing back the right sort of shit. But, I mean, it's, it's terrible to say that it's on a new music podcast, but there is no new music. It's, it's all a, a remix. And we, we, Bees and I have had, had this discussion on the pod before. There was a series called Everything is a Remix that we talked about years and years and years ago, and now we're remixing that conversation. But there aren't very many genuinely new ideas in music now. No. And maybe maybe the new ideas are reciting bored call centre scripts over a fucking trap beat. That might be that what we, what we have is new now because people haven't done it before. Well, it's interesting. I listened to a podcast. Um, you are a white man with, of, of a guy who is. This is what we do. <laughs> well, I don't listen to many podcasts. I'm not much in. I just. Oh, I do. Yeah, I, I I have a very limited. As I said, no dunks is the limit of my NBA thing unless it's playoffs time and I listen to the Daily Ding or something like that so I can hear that then. I'm, I'm too embarrassed to actually announce how many podcasts I subscribe to but it's it's more than one. But anyway, there's a, there's a thing I've said before. There's a very good, if you can get past the guy's sort of over-egging the souffle of his, uh, you know, historical experiences, one um, called 60 Songs That Define the 90s. Yes, yeah, Rob um, Rob Havet, yes. Havela, yeah, because he was on um, he was on the Defectors podcast. So the Defector were the guys who, who were at Deadspin and then Gorka Media went tits up and uh, so they all defected and set up their own worker-owned thing. So they have a podcast and they had they had him on and it was actually really uh, interesting to hear them, you know, talking about the, the 60 songs. To I know they're up to about 130 songs now yeah. to explain the 90s. Well, well, but he's got a book because, out apparently, which yes. is quite good. Yeah, well, he's just sort of, in the last episode, he was just sort of plugging that one. I haven't, the, the funny thing about his episodes is the first bit's kind of the narrative. The first 40 minutes is this big narrative where he sort of talks about the history of the song and all the songs around it. And the context and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I find that, and, it, and it's very And that sounds like what he's done with the book, like this yeah, chapter sort of thing. It's, look, and it's very overblown. Like, it's very overblown. Well, I, th- I thought about that would be good Christmas present, and I thought, I don't need any more 90s fucking nostalgia. 
Yeah. And I was there at the time. I kind of like it though because it gives me sort of, a, like you said, a bit of the context and a bit of the, the thing. And the, the day after I gave you that, but aren't we just turning into boomers? We oh, just we want- no, that's fine, fine. But I, I, you know, it's, it's music I'm interested in. I'm sort of I'm interested to hear the stuff that that made that. And what it also reminded me, it took me back, is that the day after I gave you the the classic. This week's episode was on Glory Box by Portishead and it's just talking about where where the samples come through and where, you know, I forgot that they are actually, uh, they're a sample band, like they're a, yeah. a remix. So I, did, I forgot, that, you know, because usually you see them, they're playing with a fucking great orchestra and all sorts of stuff and, and all that sort of stuff. But I went back and listened to that first Portishead album and went, yeah, actually, you know what? This shit's really good. And it's sort of in Bezo's wheelhouse, obviously, because it's kind of, it, it's got that kind of trip hop vibe with the, Sample based sort of stuff. I would like to think so. They are literally a trip hop yeah. band. They are one of the yeah, that's one right. of one yeah. of the very few because they're even from Bristol, which is what you you have to be from Bristol for in the early nineties to be a trip hop band. You can't be from yeah. anywhere else. It's it's illegal. I, I can't remember when we did Glory Box as a classic album, but we definitely did. It was probably it was must the have one. Been. What, what's the album called? I think it's um we did Live in NYC or whatever it was called. Yeah, that, well, that's what he sort of talks about. That that album is the. Um, Dummy was the first, was the album that came off as the first album, and that's the one I went back on. And live at NYC is kind of the album he talks about, and you know, basically telling you know, he was at that that gig and basically telling everybody to shut the fuck up, wanker, because they're kind of spoil. Yeah, they're spoiling the moment, but he kind of you know he says yes, I realise I'm that wanker that's telling everybody to shut up on that album. But I went back and so I went back and listened to. Um, Dummy, I thought that would have been a much better, a much, much better uh, legacy album. Well, you couldn't do it because we've already done it. So, you know. That's right. That's, that's I, said, I said to you as soon Actually, as, soon no, as we, I did it. Actually, no, it was Roseland NYC Live that we did as the, yeah. this classic album. Yeah. And I think this, and it was in 2016, folks. It was episode 39 of what was then called The After Dark. And I suspect ah. it was, we did that because I think it was a choice by Bezo at the time and that it would have been mm. justified in the discussion as to why it wasn't, wasn't dummy. We also yeah. did Massive, Massive Attack. We did most of our classic albums, the, the real classic classics in 15, 16. And by yeah. 17, we started to run out of, <laughs> run out of classic, <laughs> genuine yeah. classics. Yes. Although you did do the, 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 the uh, shit Nirvana album last, last time. So, well, has people to, are a bit, I mean, I, I think the thing that people get upset about with that album is the wrong thing. And I think that was kind of my, yes. my takeaway was that everyone was upset with Albini's production when the real problem was that could have run out of songs. Yes, it was. Just, it just wasn't a very good album. It wasn't yeah. the fact that it sold out. I think that, you know, it was the fact that it was just was pretty shit. Like, yeah, it was. And, it was yeah. fine, but it, there certainly wasn't. And, and I think if you flip the production and you you gave the Bob Rock esque, big, clean, shouty, fucking Butch Vig production to In Utero, and you produced Nevermind from the Albini school. Nevermind still would have been the fucking the album full of big hits because it was an album full of big hits. Yes, that's right. Just, There's no fucking lithium or. Come as you are, or fucking um, Teen Spirit. I mean, there's none of those songs are on in Euro. There's no songs of the equivalent nature. I mean, even the songs that are the most approachable on in Euro are the ones that sound like reheated versions yeah. of, of of those songs. So, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I made it run out of ideas, and he was under a lot of pressure. So, but anyway, um, as I said, go and listen. Go and listen to sixty songs that, that made the nineties, and then you can pick through the songs that you want to want to listen to and want, don't want to listen to. Because um, there's a lot of shit in amongst there of like shit, shit songs in the 90s. Or don't, because we have enough fucking 90s navel gazing in the world already, and I don't uh, want us to yeah. turn into the boomers. Nah, it's fine. 
It's okay. You can lean into it's it. It's bad enough that we're having 30th anniversary revisits of not particularly good uh, Nevada albums. Yeah. So, is this the part where you put in next week's tunes? Uh, next week, well, we announced it last week, so we don't need to. But uh, next week on the show, Beezer has picked a Canadian soul R&B band called Busty and the Bass. Isn't that an EP? Who are seven white dudes <laughs> from Canada, so none of them are Busty, but at least one of them plays the bass. And a um, R&B artist called Pink Panthress, and I have already listened to those, but I will not share my views on them. Uh, the album that I picked was by Spiritual Cramp, who are kind of influenced by those late 70s, early 80s, uh, ska, but also dub and um, pop and stuff like that. And, uh, and yes, their album is extremely short because all their songs are literally two-minute rock pop songs. So um, God bless those magnificent bastards. Yes. <laughs> Some people are keeping the dream alive of an album that comes in under half an hour. And an album you can play live in 20 minutes. Thanks, friends with Rom. Yes. Well. I think that's us for the week. Sounds good. Thank you again for popping in and saying good day and uh, Pleasure as always. giving us your feelings. I and- wish I had a better feeling. I was... Uh- <laughs> I was, I, I, look, I was at least glad like, I did like a couple of songs in that one because I just sit, sometimes I just sort of, I'm, I'm acutely aware of my boominess and I just like to shit can most new music because quite frankly, most a lot of it's absolute crap. So I was glad that there was a couple of songs that actually went, ah, that was pretty good. Not much though. <laughs> um, yeah, but you get that with, but that's the thing. Like, like you comparing it to the old, um, you know, Sanity or HMV Listener Station is actually not a bad thing because. You wouldn't give these albums as much of a chance in 1993 as as we do in 2023. That's right. You had to front load the albums. We give so. we give them a much better chance. Even the ones that I, f- I felt like bezoing that fucking madness album, but I thought nope, oh. nope. I'm just going to hang in there and see what there they go with this, and they went fucking nowhere. <laughs> you just keep digging. That's right. But uh, yeah, they're getting as as much of a chance as they're ever likely to. Right. All right, then. Well, thanks for being on. Um, no worries. Bees, I'll be back next week uh, to talk about those three albums. But uh, until then, we will talk to you again in seven days. Yeah. repeat next week you know yeah. until next week we'll be back next week no shit dickhead <laughs>